Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week. But we don't always know which days it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. Just before we start today's podcast, we've got some exciting and important news to tell you about our podcast. As of now, our podcasts will be hosted on the Global Player app. Now, don't worry, if you listen to us on other platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Acast, that's fine. But we recommend you download the Global Player app to listen to our podcast before it's released on any other player. The Global Player is available to download on iOS and Google stores. I'm Matt Suskin from Wales Online, and I'm delighted to be joined by one of our rugby writers, Ben James, here. And we're going to discuss another one of our favourite rugby matches and rugby experiences from down the years. Uh, Ben has taken us back to 2017, the second test between the British and Irish Lions and New Zealand in Wellington. Uh, Ben was there as a fan uh, before he started his time at at Media Wales and, and joined the crew at Wales Online. So a bit of a different experience to... Um, what a lot of us have, have discussed so far. Um, just talk about, Ben, the, the, the build-up to that game, the week sort of before it, you know, travelling around the, a fairly amazing country. Um, you know, and I guess the the, the all-black fans were, were pretty confident heading into that second test, given the way things had gone uh, a week earlier. Well, yeah, because um, basically we, we, we went over for, for all three tests. So we arrived on the Friday in Auckland, before the first test um, and then obviously on the Saturday the Lions were fairly convincingly beaten by the All Blacks um, you know just did not live with them at the Ruck uh, the breakdown speed was just completely different and they, they tore the Lions apart in that first half um, and and yeah from then on in it was sort of the, the attitude you get with you know they, they sometimes say New Zealand rugby fans are, uh, aren't aren't great losers but they're not great winners either Um and it, you know, it was just. I guess it's it's what it what comes with watching the All Blacks play. You know, ten times a year is you just don't expect them to lose if if you're if you're an All Blacks fan. You know, you, you've seen them win so many times. So yeah, we travelled then to uh, down to Christchurch and then back up to Palmerston North and and just the the sort of general feeling um, uh, in the many bars that we sort of headed to was this is going to be another three nil like two thousand and five. Um, I guess the tour as a whole probably reflected that because I remember there was a lot of criticism for Warren Gatland. The Lions hadn't looked great in the warm-up matches. Um, and, you know, when it came to team selection on the Thursday, obviously they went for the, the 10-12 axis of uh, Sexton and um, Owen Farrell. And it was sort of seen as a as a desperation move from Gatland rather than a tactical switch. So I think heading into this match, there there wasn't a great deal of confidence, and I think the locals could sense that. And then obviously the the pre-match build up, then I imagine that was a, a fairly amazing atmosphere as with all three tests. I would have thought, um, you know, heading into the stadium that day. But obviously the news broke um, about Sirian McKeegan collapsing uh, before the match. You know, obviously a, a huge figure uh, in British and Irish rugby and, and Lions rugby. Um, you know that that I would have thought would have. I'm not sure if if this was ever discussed by the players, but it would have been a fairly galvanising um, factor for for um, the fans and the players out there because McGeekin is so well liked 
uh, by everybody involved in the Lions, and I include the, the fans in it. Yeah, I, I seem to remember we we just arrived at the fan zone um, when we heard the news. I think we were on the bus to the fan zone, and we heard the news that Sirian McGee had collapsed. So that was obviously concerning. Um, but yeah, there was just a, there was a few sort of things like that, which I imagine over the course of the tour galvanised the Lions. I mean, the, the the constant criticism of Gatland in in the New Zealand media. You know, they compared him to a clown and all that. Um, I seem to remember John Spencer, the tour manager, was. Um, Assaulted, I think, before the third test. I seem to remember seeing him in Auckland. I think it was before the third test, and you know he he looked a bit battered and bruised. But um, yeah, having having Sir Ian collapse before the match was uh, a massive concern. Obviously, he is Mister Lions. Um, you know, he's he's coached them ninety seven, two thousand and nine. Went with them in two thousand and five, and was probably the the sole positive from that tour. You know, a decent midweek team compared to you know whatever Clive Woodward did with the test team. Um, so yeah, him collapsing wasn't great, but yeah, and then you know heading over to the to to the West Pack, the cake tin. It was a funny, funny look sort of mood. Um, you know, the the day had been quite nice. We travelled down from Palmerston North, which is about a two-hour uh, drive, um, and and the weather was fine. You know, we went to the uh, that little Welsh bar. I don't know, there used to be a public toilet, which is about you know it's like four feet squared in there. But you get about 200 people in there all Welsh singing, so that was nice. But then by the time we got to the stadium, geez, like the the, the rain was coming down thick and fast. Yeah, it's a it's a very notoriously difficult place uh, to play rugby. Is uh, the King Tin in Wellington? Obviously, usually you get some bad bad weather there in terms of the rain, and it's normally blowing uh, blowing a gale there as well. And and it didn't didn't disappoint on on this occasion. Um, Obviously, when the game kicked off, it was a very sort of edgy um, first 20 minutes. Not a lot was was given by either side. Um, and then it, it kind of all changed around the 25-minute mark when, when Sonny Bill Williams was shown his red card for the, the shoulder charge on Anthony Watson. Um, that, that sort of must have changed the, the mood and the feeling in the ground. It was certainly palpable back home. Yeah, because I think, you know, obviously the first test, the Lions started really well in the first test. I remember John Davis made a break down the left-hand side and they nearly scored. And then New Zealand started to cut us apart. Second test, I mean, we started well again. I think John Davis and Farrell had some nice little inroads. And and we kept the All Blacks quiet. And so you, you felt good. And then obviously, you know, Anthony Watson gets completely taken out by Sonny Bill. It, you know, it was, it was an obvious red card. Um Although, to be fair, a lot of people in the ground disagreed that night, and it was uh, it was a strange one, sort of seeing the the just looking around the stadium and, and just seeing the different reactions. You know, the, they were furious about it, but it, it did really change the complexion. Um, you know, the All Blacks going down to fourteen men. Suddenly, we thought, okay, well, if we don't level the Test series here, you know, you're never going to level the Test series. You know, if, if you can't do it against fourteen men, you're not going to beat the All Blacks. So. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously they, they took off Jerome Kaino for um, Luamapa, which, I mean, in hindsight, I think you, you tend to see the teams that keep their pack together, keep eight men in the pack, tend to do better. And, and if, you know, if you if you employ, say, a, a, a winger to sweep in the backfield, you tend to do better than if you sort of diminish your pack. So maybe that was a mistake by Steve Hansen, but yeah, just um, that red card did change things. 
Although seen, the funny thing was, I remember I remember sort of being sat there up until sort of the Falatau try. You know, the All Blacks were still chipping away at us, and we weren't really getting. It. I just remember thinking, we're, we're going to waste this opportunity. It just felt like we were throwing away this this opportunity we've been handed. It, it was a really weird feeling, sort of as a Lions fan that night. You just you just felt like it was ebbing away up until sort of the last twenty minutes. Yeah, it was strange, wasn't it? Because it was more the longer the game went on, the the more the sense of inevitability grew that the All Blacks were going to wriggle their way out of it and, and claim another famous victory. Um, you know, Bowden Barrett. I suppose the one saving grace when you do play the All Blacks is that, that Bowden Barrett is shaky from the tee. Um, you know, they may they may beat you by scoring a load of tries, but rarely will the All Blacks uh, kick you into submission. Uh, now the conditions were difficult that night, but at the time, Bowden Barrett was was playing for the Hurricanes. He was he was playing on his home patch, familiar with it. Um, the Lions gave away a lot of penalties that night. I remember, um, despite the numerical advantage, but you know Barrett knocked over a lot of points, but he did miss a fair few as well. And and I guess that sort of just always always meant that that shred of hope was never really diminished. Yeah, I think that was. I mean, there was so much talk about Bowden Barrett being the best player coming into that Test series, and how he was. You know, it was like Dan Carr, two thousand and five. How this was going to be the Test series that cemented his place at the top of world rugby, and I mean, probably to some extent he did. Um, but the, the three things that let him down over those three tests were his goal kicking, um, and that 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 second test in particular. I think he kicked seventy percent that night, which doesn't sound too bad. I mean, he he, he they, they had seven penalties and he missed three. But I seem to remember one of them was one of the most regulation penalties you'll ever see an All Blacks kicker, you know, line up. It was pretty much slap bang in front of the post, and he, and he put it wide. And especially because it's his home turf, and you know, if, if I think Owen Farrell had about eight, you know, the mid eighties in his goal kick percentage. If if you're being sort of outscored on your home patch by about fifteen percent by the opposition kicker, it's not it's not a good night for you. And that that probably just allowed you know the Lions to to be a bit more blasé with things I mean the discipline was severely lacking that night um, and uh, and like you say on another night that probably would have cost them massively yeah you mentioned the discipline as well I, I guess sort of adding to this this sense of dread for the Lions fans that night it was when Marco Vunapola gave away that well he was given that yellow card um, saw Bowden Barrett on the floor just sort of getting up from a ruck and couldn't resist the urge to drop a shoulder on him I mean uh, you know there were a lot there was a lot of all black fans in the ground that night that probably felt like that should have evened things up with with another red card um, you know I don't think it was as bad as the, the Sunny Bill tackle but it wasn't wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination and when he he goes for 10 minutes if I remember rightly, he'd done something not long before it and, and had had a warning and given away a penalty and he was obviously simmering right on the edge. Um, but yeah, when he went off, I guess it kind of just fed that feeling that things were just not going to go the Lions' way. Oh yeah, massively. I, I I can't quite remember what the other incident was, but I do remember that he had started to lose his head and obviously when, when the yellow card came in, it, it, it was a stupid thing that he did. You just thought, okay, well, We've completely shot ourselves in the foot here. You know, we're we're playing against fourteen men, the All Blacks, and 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 we've managed to sort of you know level the playing field for for no other reason than you know, our, our own stupidity. And yeah, you know, it just 
at that point, you know, like like I say, as a fan, I just had this resigned feeling that you've witnessed so many defeats to the All Blacks. You know that no matter how many sort of, how, how far you get ahead or what the circumstances, the All Blacks always win. And even though they had 14 men and it was a downpour and, and, and the Lions were, were playing some nice rugby because they, they were playing some good rugby. I mean, the Sexton Farrell thing worked really well and it, it allowed the Lions to, to, to play wider, which I, I don't think they got that much credit for, but they, they, they played some nice rugby out wide um, at times. But you, you still thought, well, when when the clock ticks, you know, goes red and ticks eighty, the All Blacks are going to have more points than us because that that's just the way it is. So it was it was a strange, almost wearied, resigned feeling that that you just get as a Northern Hemisphere rugby fan. Yeah, exactly. We've seen it so many times before. But then obviously the the Falatau try um, that came sort of midway through the second half. Um, you know, Liam Williams gives him the ball. He's got about. Oh, it's about 15 metres from the line I think probably a little bit more it's got about less than 10 metres of room to work with at a touch line and Israel Dag in front of him um, and produces one of the great finishes that, that we've seen in, in the last few years for my money um, you know, just just to give give fans that, that little bit of hope um, to cling on to heading into the final stages oh yeah like massive I think that move came from the the ten twelve axis working well. I think Sexton and Farrell worked well, and I think John Davis might have got on the outside down the, the right hand side, and then they worked it wide. And a bit like Elliot Daly's try against um, against Wales in twenty seventeen from Foxy's loose kick. That try doesn't happen unless there's two perfect passes before it. And I mean the passes to to get it out to Falatau, um from Liam. It just you know. Had they not been perfect, it, it doesn't happen. But even saying that, it took a hell of a lot of finishing. I, I don't think there's many other forwards in the world who finished that try. We were sort of where we were sat was level with that um, with the try line, so we were about twenty yards away from where where he finished it, um, right in the sort of the midst of the downpour. Uh, so we were soaked at the end of the match. But yeah, seeing Falatau finish that try from about twenty yards out is is just a, a, an awesome memory and. Even now, you sort of look at it and you think, "There's no way he can finish that." So the fact that he did, there's so much talk about, you know, would Billy Vunapola have started? Is is he a better number eight had he not got injured? But for me, that that's what separates Falato as being just a just a genuine world class number eight. Yeah, it was total class. But you know, again, as we touched on, the Lions and discipline was was you know keeping the All Blacks in the game despite Bowden Barrett's sort of dodgy radar. Um, heading into the final 10 minutes with 10 points down uh, sorry 7 points down um, and it's like you said you feel like you've seen it all before um, and then you know but like you said the Lions kept plucking away they were plucking away playing some decent stuff and causing a few problems but it just seemed to be lacking a bit of a cutting edge until the Falatau try um, and then heading into the final few minutes of the match uh, Conor Murray goes over. What? What? You know, and then the Lions suddenly are at twenty-one all and, and level, and you know, need the win to keep the series really alive. Um, you know, what, what were the sort of emotions at that point? I think it was just disbelief at that point. I remember, yeah, the the Murray try. I can't remember who made the initial break before Conor Murray, but obviously then they recycle it fairly quick. 
and it's just a little block from Johnny Sexton. I think he gets in between. Um, I think it was just in the way of Ardi Surveyor, who, who's off the bench. Just gets in the way of Ardi Surveyor, and it just allows Conor Murray to get through that gap and go over. And, and once he went over, yeah, there was just this disbelief. I remember pretty much all behind the the sort of the the um, the try area where Murray and Falato scored it was just a sea of red. And just looking over to that side of the ground, and just it was just all red just going absolutely mental. Like people talk about the the Gabber in two thousand and one and I can only imagine what that was like. But in terms of Lions experience, that was the the best moment for me on twenty seven because Eden Park's quite um it's a it's a funny old ground in the sense that it's all different sections and you know th- certain parts are raised and you know it's like it's it's like a, a mishmash of a ground in many ways. So you don't really get to see that sea of red, but there at the West Pack, that that whole side of the ground was just red, and yeah, it, it was just it was just a moment of disbelief when Connor Murray went over. Yeah, and then obviously you had into the closing stages. Then um, Carl Sinclair uh, wins a penalty. Uh, I think we all we all know the incident that, that I'm referring to here, where he sort of pops in the air to to catch a ball and then. It sort of scythed down before his feet hit the floor. Very controversial sort of issue. And there was a lot of talk about that after the game, you know, what what are the All Blacks supposed to do? And, you know, should they wait until he hits the floor? You know, should Sinclair be jumping into the tackle? Um, what was your take on that whole thing? I think I was laughing at that point because I, I knew <laughs> that that was... You sort of think, well, there we go. That's this is going to be our night if we're getting that penalty because yeah, he, he did jump into it. Um, and you know, that's something that you can't do. You can't jump into tackles. I always remember the one that uh, the best example is, is Shane Williams jumping over someone playing for um, playing against for the Ospreys against London Irish, where he literally hurdled someone, and it's just you never see more blatant sort of jumping in a tackle and, and until. Kyle Sinclair did that and even then he, he nearly did a, a good job of reversing the penalty I mean he was he was ready to to take on the fight after after the whistle and I think Jonathan Davis had to sort of pull him back but yeah when we had that penalty award I thought okay well maybe maybe the luck's with us tonight you know Bowden Barrett you know can't kick for toffee and, and now we've got this penalty and it, it's in Owen Farrell's hands who I mean was metronomical to all to be fair to him, he, he was just cool, cool and calm. And then obviously there was still a bit of time for the, for the Lions to hold on. Um, never, never easy moments for fans. Those in the sort of final, you know, four, three, two, one minutes of matches when it's tight, especially uh, on occasions like that when the stakes are so high. Um, everything just feels frenetic. Um, you know, it's you find yourself wondering how the players are managing to actually operate and function you know, in the middle of it all. What was it like um, to, to experience that? Because the game could have still... All it takes is one misplaced pass or an interception or a drop ball and, and the series is over, you know? So I think more so than most, the, the ending of this game was just ridiculously frantic and frenetic. Um I can't remember details to be honest, but I mem I seem to remember the All Blacks got right into the the Lions twenty two with with just sec you know minutes left on the clock, and I think they might they might have tried a grubber out to the sort of the right wing, and e- either Liam Williams or, or Anthony Watson managed to get in front of it, and then there was a, a hacked clearance that 
you know, bobble its way into the All Blacks 22 and Bowden Barrett goes back to get it and, and he decides to run it from his own 22 and he gets past one and you think, oh God, we're going to get picked apart here by, you know, Bowden Barrett going from his own 22. But thankfully, I think there was um, some mix-up and some error and it resulted in the Lions having possession in those final few seconds and from there, they, they just did enough. And, and you know, the thing that stuck out for me was I remember like looking down at the bench and, you know, Bobby Stridgen's going mental, as you'd expect, and all, all the subs are going mental. And when that final whistle went, pretty much everyone, you know, obviously the fans were going crazy. Sam Warburton just stood there with his hands on his hips, dead still, because he knew the job wasn't done. For him, this was this was what was meant to happen. We were meant to level the series and then next week we'll win it at Eden Park. So his reaction just, just you know, spoke volumes to, to the attitude he brought to the, the Lions and, and, and just how he saw that game. And I mean, you know, not, not everyone beats the All Blacks in their career. Very few do. I mean, you could list sort of the, the, the Wales internationals who have beaten the All Blacks in the past 20 years, probably on, on two hands. And Sam Warburton's one of them now, but yeah, he he didn't show any emotion, and that was telling for me. Yeah, and then obviously um, it, it set the series up for the for the thriller in the third test. Um, did, what was was there, was there any change in the attitude of of the Kiwi fans after that game? And you know, did you sense that there was that sort of um, that they felt that level of jeopardy, that they felt suddenly almost like their own mortality, like they weren't invincible. I think so. Yeah, I think massively. Um, so the next week, we sort of spent it travelling then back up to 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 Auckland. So you know, we went from Palmerston North, I think, then to Napier, then Rotorua, then back up to Auckland. And everywhere we went, you know, people were like, "Oh, okay, fair play, you, you, you guys." were you know worth your victory on uh on, on last weekend now now it's now we've got a challenge on our hands and you know it was they knew they were in for a game but also it just nothing sort of stirs their desire to 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 beat you more than if you bloody their nose which is what we've done so then the next week you know the third test they they came out the blocks so quickly didn't they and and the lions did well to sort of stay in that match and eventually get back to to levels to level you know to parity because they just came out like 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 a team possessed because you know we we'd gone to their their backyard and you know bloody their nose absolutely well there you go i think we'll leave it there for for today ben that was a nice trip down memory lane it was a, obviously a memorable occasion um, i'm sure it was uh, especially so given that you you were there and I was up here getting up at the crack of dawn to wander into the office oh, um, well. oh, okay. in fairness I you know I, I came back so I, I got back from New Zealand on we arrived back on the Monday after the third test uh, I graduated from university on the Friday and then the following Monday I was, I was in the office oh, see you, mate, you, so, could, you couldn't wait to meet all well, I suppose you'd already been into the office for a few visits, and you couldn't wait to start building relationships with all your new pals at Wales Online. And I was, I was in bed at seven o'clock every night. That first <laughs> week. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right, mate. 
great to catch up with you on that one and um you know thanks for everybody for listening to the the podcast today um please don't hesitate to get in touch with us send us a few ideas or drop some reviews to our on all our channels you know we want to hear from you uh, it'd be great to to tailor this this podcast or the, the, the specific things that you guys want to hear um and we're all for new ideas so don't hesitate to get in touch with us on social media but until then we'll catch you next time